people are telling me I'm muted. So sorry about that a minute into the podcast and no one could hear me. I'm glad uh, I have the live chat up so I can see what you guys are saying. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll repeat what I just said. First of all, welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. Um, we have, uh, uh, we'll see how much we have to talk about today. There's a lot we could talk about, but uh, I'm in a weird position right now. I'm sitting here in New York, which is known to be a very progressive state, of course. And originally, I, I was born actually in California, which uh, outside of LA, very progressive area. A lot of my family's still there. And it, I'm in this weird spot right now where I'm kind of grateful to not be from Iowa. It's just, it's kind of weird. I actually do have family that goes back to Iowa, but uh, it's just, I, I think Iowa, as far as I know, someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that they were one of the few states in the midterms that the Republicans really did well. It's a red state. Both of the um, uh, representative bodies in the state capitol are uh, Republican controlled. It's got a Republican governor and, um, and, and somehow it also has a satanic display <laughs> in the, uh, in the state capital there. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and just navigating that. Um, some of you are probably saying this should be a no brainer. And I agree to a point, uh, I, I think this should be a no brainer, but we are contending with an outlook that I think we've all kind of grown used to in a way we, we haven't had to face some of these challenges, not blatantly. So at least who would have thought that Satanists would organize and try to get idols to Satan set up in public spaces and in government buildings. I mean, that's not something I ever saw happening, even, you know, when I was young and I'm not that old, but that, that wasn't something that was even on the horizon. And now of course, um, this is what we have to contend with. In fact, um, I think when it comes to depictions of Satan, we have to think about what's happening in the entertainment world, because that also affects the political world and our social uh, reality. Um, you have shows and I haven't watched these shows. I just understand that the premise of these shows is uh, and these are recent shows are very pro, I guess, Satan in a way like they, they at least portray Satan as someone who's misunderstood, who um, doesn't really want evil is just a, a normal guy very relatable and uh one of the shows is called the good omens which is on amazon uh there's another one and i thought i had it written down but i guess i don't uh that i think is called lucifer which was streaming they did a few seasons until 2021 it was like 2014 to 2021 or something it actually had kind of a some longevity and um in, in this particular uh show and i haven't watched it again but I just read a little synopsis of it. Uh, Satan is this figure who's actually the son of God, if you can believe it. I mean, it's total blasphemy and wants to live in Hollywood and doesn't want to fulfill his duty uh, ruling over hell, which we know Satan doesn't do anyway. And so uh, th this is these are the kinds of depictions that are happening in the entertainment world where I mean, wasn't when was the last time Satan was like truly depicted as a bad character, a deceitful uh, father of lies, accusing people of things like the, the way he's portrayed in the Bible. Um, not it doesn't happen, really, not not much. I mean, it used to happen quite a bit more. So th there is this sort of softening, not just of Satan, but of, of all villains, because we live in a world now that increasingly uh, the people who are in charge of our institutions want to call good evil and evil good. Right. 
So I think most of us are in this audience at least understand that. Uh, but who would have thought you would live in a time where you had to explain that Satan is a bad guy, right? Uh, that you're not going to be in an argument with someone who is trying to contend that actually, no, Satan is a good guy and the Bible got it wrong. Uh, I've been in those discussions. In fact, a few years ago, I went to um, a, there was, it's called an awareness shop, but it's basically witchcraft and stuff. And I'm not recommending anyone do this, but a, a friend of mine and I um, went in to witness to the people behind the counter. I just remember the guy behind the counter was so nervous when he saw us. I mean, there was a spiritual thing going on there. But I remember uh, this witch, and she said she was a witch. She came out and she talked to us. Her only argument seemed to be that she thought all the holidays that uh, we celebrate were basically co-opted from them. And that meant that they they predated Christianity and they're the true religion, which I, I just said, that's dumb. <laughs> just, because Christianity goes back to the very beginning. I mean, it's it's uh, you, you have the coming of Christ, of course, but that's seen as a continuation of something that was already ongoing. But anyway, um, I remember, though, uh, that was one of the things that she said, that uh, Satan has been very misunderstood, that uh, the Bible got it wrong, that Satan is, is actually a good guy. I mean, what does the Bible say? Satan is uh, presents himself as an angel of light. So we should come to expect that to some extent. Um, but I think we have a satanic-influenced, increasingly satanic-influenced world that we live in. And we have to figure out how do we approach these things. So this brings me to what happened in the Iowa State Capitol. I'll read uh, from a story here, and then we'll get into um, this is the mindset that I want to critique, which is... Um, I. I I don't, I don't really have a much of a name for it. You, you could call it a liberal mindset because uh, for those who've been paying attention to the series we did on liberalism, this explains why someone might think this way. Uh, but uh, there's a Republican that's defending this satanic monument, essentially this idol, um, not directly, but indirectly as you know, a part of religious freedom. So we'll talk about that. It, it's kind of like the peak boomer con mindset, to be honest with you, like that mindset that wants to value neutrality in all our institutions and um, and and thinks that the other side is also going to be valuing neutrality <laughs> and they're not interested in that. Uh, so let, let's read from this story uh, as we go through this. So this is um, from the Christian Post and it says the headline is Satanic Display in Iowa State Capitol Stirs Debate Among GOP Lawmakers Outrage and Disgust. A satanic exhibit in the Iowa State Capitol has caused a stir among Republican state lawmakers who are debating the legality of allowing such displays on state property. A satanic exhibit in the Iowa State Capitol has caused a stir. I just read that. Let's see. Um, an organization describing itself as the Satanic Temple of Iowa erected an altar depicting a silver ram's head on a mannequin adorned with a red cape and surrounded by candles and flowers, according to locals KKCI Des Moines. The statue has um, also holds a red wreath with an inverted pentagram. And you can see it right here. There's the pentagram. Uh, there's, and, and apparently, well, we'll read this in, in, in a minute, but they, apparently they wanted to have a real, uh, I guess, ram's head, and that was forbidden. So, so they do have some standards in the Iowa State Capitol, which is good to hear. Um, and, and here's the gentleman I'm referring to, Iowa State Re uh, Representative John Dunwell, a Republican and Christian pastor who also serves as assistant majority leader, told the Christian Post, that while he disagrees personally with the display, with what the display represents, he doesn't believe the government should be getting involved. 
For me, I would rather have an evil blasphemous display or no display at all. All right. So some of these quotes are actually going to read and I don't see the need to get into any of this uh, much deeper. They quote some other people. Um, Andrew Walker, who is the associate professor of Christian ethics at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, echoed Sherman's. Let's see. I haven't read Sherman's. What did Sherman say? Uh, let's go up here. Um, uh, a fellow state representative, Brad Sherman, also a Republican and a pastor. So they got more than one pastor uh, who's in the Iowa State um, Senate, which is kind of cool, uh, took a different view on the topic, arguing in a newsletter last week that there is potential legal recourse by which satanic dis displays could be prohibited on state-owned property. The outrage and disgust for this satanic display is widespread, but few people think there is much that can be legally done about it because of free speech and freedom of religion. However, I disagree, he said, citing the preamble to the 1857 Iowa State Constitution, which established the state on the basis of a belief in a supreme being and dependence on him for a continuation of those blessings. So um, so he sees a, a potential legal path. And Andrew Walker from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary wrote uh, an op-ed for World Magazine uh, echoing this, arguing that there are potential limits to constitutional freedom and that there is neither a theological nor a political basis for allowing satanic displays on government property. So look at there. Uh, I agree with Andrew Walker. <laughs> don't, don't always agree with Andrew Walker, but in this case, uh, I think he's on to something. Now, um, I want to get into the, the deeper, what's going on on a deeper level here. And uh, that requires me to bring up uh, some of these tweets by Republican Representative John Dunwell. So let me see if I can uh, do that real quick here. In the meantime, if you have any questions, uh, make sure that you, or, or just statements, make sure you um, get them in and I will come back to them later and we will discuss them. Let's see if I can pull this up for everyone. I think I can. So these, these are just a series of tweets uh, that this particular representative, um, John Dunwell put out over the last few days. And, uh, I, I find them very enlightening to say the least. Um, this is the initial one. He said, as many of you may have become aware last week, a display was erected at the Iowa Capitol by the satanic temple of Iowa. As I have responded to concerns from Iowans about the display, I want to share with you how the display came to be in my response. So how did it happen? He says the capital structure falls underneath the control of the Iowa legislature. The Department of Administration Services, DAS, is charged with the management. Currently, access for displays at the Capitol are open to anyone through an application process, though there are some guidelines. They do not discriminate on the basis of religion or ideology. Displays are permitted to be displayed for two weeks. All displays are required to communicate. They are an independent display and not to be associated with the state of Iowa. The Satanic Temple petitioned for their display in August and were approved with some modification. They wanted to use an actual goat head and were prohibited from doing so. So like I said, they have some standards, apparently. There, there are some regulations here. You know, you, you can worship Satan. <laughs> Just don't use an actual, don't harm an animal to do it, I guess. I don't know. The Iowa uh, legislature can set the rules and standards for any display. So, so let me read that again. The Iowa legislature can set the rules and standards for any display. Let me read it one more time. The Iowa legislature can set the rules and standards for any display. The, <laughs> I, 
I can't emphasize that sentence enough. The current operating principle has been to either allow all displays or none. All right. So th th there's another key word, operating principle or key term uh, that I want you to just remember as we go through this. The legislature has the power to change if they deem necessary. My observations and response as an Iowan state representative and pastor. Okay. So, so he, he's saying the Iowa legislature actually can change the rules and they can prohibit this. But here, here is his opinion. My observation as a follower of Christ, I certainly find a display from a satanic temple objectionable. Well, at least good, right? <laughs> good. It stands in direct opposition to my faith and would be classified as evil, not a new experience for me or my family. The word of God continually warns about the dangers in our world. In fairness, many other religions or non-religious people have the same perspectives about Christianity. My observation as an Iowan and a state representative, I don't want the state evaluating and making determinations about religion. I am guided by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. My response is a follower of Christ. Display is an inanimate object that has no real power in and of itself. We have nothing to fear. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't even know where to start. I mean, you think of like Gideon, right? Like, oh, it's just an inanimate object. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, have we learned nothing from the last few years with the, the debate over monuments and what they communicate? Uh, I mean, this is happening at a time when Thomas Jefferson statues are coming down in state capitals and you have this being displayed. Um, oppose the message of the display. It is not just another way to worship the same God. There are differences that need to be pointed out. The displays glorifies the evil uh, we oppose. The primary response required is prayer. The display itself is an invitation of the work we have yet to do. Iowa needs Jesus. The display <laughs> provides a teaching example for our families of the difference between the person and work of Christ and that of Satan. Uh, love light. Okay. So I guess there's a positive point to, to having this displayed. Um, my faith is never imposed upon others, nor should it ever become a direct part of government. It is always a response to the person and work of Jesus Christ. I don't want to mix kingdoms. Government is a poor arbiter of religion. Take full advantage of the opportunities to express our faith in appropriate displays and programs at the Capitol. And then he says, my response is a state representative. Review the guidelines to ensure they represent our constitutional rights. Monitor the number of organizations requesting displays. I don't want the Capitol to be overwhelmed by displays. In the future, we may need to find ways to appropriately limit the number of displays and then continue to dialogue with other elected officials and Iowans on this issue. So uh, that is the initial response from Representative John Dunwell of the Iowa State Legislature. I think I said Senate earlier, legislature. And um, y y this is, uh, I mean, it's rich to me because you could probably justify a lot of things based on this logic. You could justify pornography, really. I mean, hey, it creates a teaching opportunity of uh, what intimacy in marriage is versus intimacy outside of God's boundaries. Uh, you could say that, uh, you know, we, we can't do anything because, uh, you know, free, equal access, freedom of speech, First Amendment, that kind of stuff. Um, you could say it's just an inanimate object, right? So there's really no power in it. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, it's an inanimate object, but it, it has, it does have uh, actually power. In fact, uh, there's a reason that uh, public displays of nudity and, and those kind of sexual nudity were, were forbidden in Old Testament times and have been in most Western societies, that's been recognized as something that uh, it should be forbidden. Why? Well, it's just flesh and bone, right? I mean, sure, there's no like 
we, we know um, as Christians that greater uh, is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But it doesn't mean that there aren't demonic forces associated with these statues. It doesn't mean that they don't have an effect on the people who view them. It doesn't mean that it uh, doesn't negatively affect people. Of course it does. Of course it does. It sends a message. All of these things do. So um, that's level one. <laughs> that's level one of uh, our friend here, uh, John uh, Dunwell. Um, it gets more interesting, though. Um, he gets some pushback for this. And uh, in response to the pushback he gets, he says, if standing for the, up for the kingdom of God and the ways of Christ get me an award, I gladly accept it. So he, here he's now saying that in defending the, the display, the, the, uh, the neutrality that allows a display like this, that he is standing for the kingdom of God. Okay, that's interesting. Um, as I continue to hear from Christians on the issue of the satanic temple displays at the Iowa Capitol, I found myself shocked, yeah, shocked, I tell you, at what I believe is a misunderstanding of basic biblical concepts of the kingdom of Jesus. So um, now we're going to get a sermon from uh, Pastor and Representative John Dunwell on what the kingdom of Jesus has to say about uh, the presentation of uh, idols, recognition of idols, um, to Satan in public places where he admitted they, it doesn't have to actually be recognized. They can set the rules and they can object to this. So he says this, it is not a physical kingdom defined by the boundaries and nationality, the kingdom of Christ. It is not a recreation of the nation of Israel, the United States of America. It is a spiritual kingdom led by Jesus, filled with those who have been transformed by his spirit's presence in their lives. The concepts in the Old Testament regarding the nation of Israel we are called to incorporate in this spiritual kingdom. For example, we tear down the places of idolatry in our hearts. We are not called to physically tear down false places of worship. Now, if you think about this, I mean, this logic could lead to, we, we never take any moral stands. I mean, it really could. Uh, I mean, it's, hey, it's, it's just a spiritual kingdom. It just applies to us. It doesn't actually mean anything on a, a grander scale than that. It, it's not like we're gonna use the, um, the third use of the law. Um, it, it's not going to be uh, prohibiting things that ought to be prohibited uh, in the general world. It's just applying to we ourselves. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with the first few sentences here. I mean, I, I think he's on to something. I, I think Jesus meant something when he said his kingdom is not of this world, but I don't think that meant uh, that he didn't want Christians being involved in any moral way in this temporal world. I think there's you have a temporal world and you have... Uh, the eternal realm, and you have uh, the impending kingdom of God uh, that uh, is, is right now displayed in the church and in spiritual ways, but uh, will actually be physically manifested at some point. And different eschatological flavors have different schemes of, of how that works out. But um, it never meant that uh, because there's a spiritual kingdom in which Christ reigns, that uh, those who are part of that kingdom should never uh, let let the moral convictions that come from Christ be displayed in the world. In fact, just the opposite. Uh, we're supposed to be salt and light in the world. So we're actually supposed to be um, spreading. And, and, and spreading this message, spreading the law of God, is also going to have some uh, temporal world physical manifestations. He says, the battle we fight is primarily spiritual and not physical. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Therefore, our primary response needs to be physical and not spiritual. Uh, or spiritual and not physical, rather. So um, 
some would call this pietism, but it's just, you know, the whole issue now is just going to be knocked up into this kind of spiritual world where we don't do anything practically to end this display. I recognize I live in a pluralistic society that does not share my perspective on Jesus, he says, being the only way. I am called to transform that world through the presentation of the gospel. The passing of legislation can never accomplish what the presence of, of Christ in lives can do. The late latter is a real change. The latter is the true kingdom change. And, and no one's arguing with that. That's the thing. None of the criticism that he's gotten argues this and says that, uh, well, you, you ought not be sharing the gospel or the gospel is not the true transforming work. It, it's it's just laws or something like no one's saying that people are saying both. And can't, can't we like share the gospel? And at the same time, can't we put an end to public indecency like this? Isn't that possible? He kind of admitted at the beginning it was possible. The Iowa State Legislature pro prohibited it from being a, a display of an actual animal. So they can prohibit some things. Um, you know, I wonder why that's an okay prohibition, by the way. Well, you know, why is that okay? Why is that moral vision uh, acceptable, but not the moral vision that prohibits the idol altogether? We cannot afford to adopt the ways of earthly kingdoms or earthly tweeters. <laughs> We, we are different. We choose not to fight our battles in the same way. We are called to humility, love, and service. As an American, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism. Now, you're going to hear a lot more about this term in the next year. Um, but he, here we have it. And this gets to the application where the rubber meets the road of so many of the things that we've been talking about over the last year. It really does. Um, he's, he's linking the objection that, that he's getting to his support for a satanic temple being displayed in the Iowa State Capitol to Christian nationalism. And he's make, saying that it conflicts with the Constitution. He says, as a Christian, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism on biblical grounds uh, and the Bible. So it conflicts with the Bible too. The Satanic Temple displays is a horrible display at our Capitol. It represents an evil that needs to be transformed by the presence of Christ. It can be physically torn down by those who oppose it, but it will not lead to real heart change. Uh, Iowa needs Jesus. Okay, no one's arguing this. Of course, of course, you need more than just tearing down the idol. Um, it won't be truly transformed by legislatures and laws, but the Holy Spirit. No one's saying it that that. Look, God can use something like this. God used things like this in the past. God can still use things like this: public morality, men of courage, taking stands, opposing evil. All of that stuff can be used by God. No one's arguing that that is going to usher someone into the kingdom of God. Uh, in and of itself. You need the work of the Holy Spirit and you need an understanding of sin and the grace of Christ. Um, but reinforcing the moral law of God is where this actually starts, saying that there is a moral law, you violated it. And the civil government actually has a role in this to promote good and punish evil. When I see the, an evil display of the satanic temple, I see an invitation to focus on bringing real kingdom change to Iowa. So this is a way, you know, why are you even in the legislature? That's what I wonder. Like what you could put any issue there, plug in any issue. You know, when I see uh, prostitution on the street, I just see an invitation to bring the real kingdom change. Or you, know, you can put in any, I've seen gang violence. I see an invitation to focus on bringing the real kingdom change. We shouldn't use laws to fight these things. So, um, I'm going to take a break. We, we have more to go, more to go through here with Re representative John Dunwell, but some people want to weigh in, um, Jeff Reynolds, I'm going to come to you in a moment, uh, since I see that you're in the chat. Um, but, uh, before we get there for $2, Earl Starbucks says Dunwell is shadow boxing Dabney quote, quote relevant. Uh, I think it's probably the, the Dabney quote uh, that Earl Starbucks is referring to is probably the, the quote, um, 
about how uh, conservatives in the United States and America, or I think it's American conservatism is the shadow that follows uh, progressivism to perdition, something like that. I'm kind of paraphrasing. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. You see this on a lot of issues that the Republican Party tends to just kind of follow behind at a distance, um, but they're not effectively giving any real opposition to what's happening. Um, let's see, there's some other questions uh, in the chat here. I'm going to see if I can go to the beginning. There's so many questions um, or, or comments and questions and a lot of good ones, too. By what standard, uh, someone asked. Um, the elite elite for $5 says, Dunwell defends a satanic display while Polish MP Braun put out a menorah for being an attack on their Catholic nation. I actually saw that video today. I don't know any context and I don't know anything about Poland except they're Catholic. But apparently this was in a uh, their capital, I guess, and their national capital. And there was a menorah display. I don't know if this is the first time they've had a, a menorah display. But there was a menorah display, and he went in there and he put the whole thing out, uh, and uh, and and so I guess that does serve as somewhat of a contrast. Um, I'm not really equipped to, to comment on the Polish thing, though, uh, not knowing a lot about their history. But if this came from a, a place of we're a Christian country or a Catholic country in this case, and uh, this is not in accordance with who we are, uh, our identity, where where we uh, draw our legal tradition from, and all that kind of thing, um, you know. I, I can understand it to an extent. Um, so let's uh, let's keep going here because I, I really want to focus on this kind of boomer con mindset. Um, and and I, I'm not saying every pun who's a boomer and a conservative, just so people know. I've done an episode on this and some people still don't understand. It doesn't mean that everyone who's a baby boomer and a conservative falls into this mindset. This is just a, a post-World War II liberal mindset. And that's what I want to critique because uh, that's, that's what we're... Um, running up against here. But before I get to that, I'm going to put Jeff Reynolds on the stage here. Hey, Jeff, can you hear me? Yes, John. Can you hear me? I can. How you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good. Doing well. I'm very honored that you're uh, giving me any uh, airtime. That's awesome. Um, and thank you, by the way. I just want to take the moment. Um, this is an unpaid uh, uh, endorsement, but your work is amazing. Uh, please keep it up. Just uh, you're, you're, you're on it. And uh we all need help discerning what's going on, even keeping up with uh, developments like this. It's really, really great. Thank you for your work. Yeah, well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. You've been uh, a faithful supporter and just a very, very good encourager. And um, so what's on your mind? Did you have a, an angle or a, a thought about this? Well, thanks for asking. I, I will admit that I am still trying to process it and digest it. Um, I just saw an interesting uh, interview on on Newsmax with Rob Schmidt, who interviewed a legislator, and then a, another person who is, I guess, actively engaged in you know civil activities in uh, Iowa about this. And they had different points of view, um, but it was quite interesting to hear the uh, the leg the one who's involved in the legislation uh, involved in the government, uh, Senate, uh, state government. <clears throat> who clearly, from what I, from what he was saying, he convinced me that he was a legitimate, you know, Christian. Yet he was saying that he didn't think that there should be, you know, this should be taken down or it should be prohibited. So um, weird. He's, you know, yeah, it's very strange. It's a hard thing to get my arms around that. But the way he, you know, what he what he basically said was that, you know, maybe this is a Romans eight twenty eight 
um, kind of um, uh, phenomenon, but he said that the amount of people who came, there were so many more people who came to the state capitol to pray, legitimate, you know, real Christians who were because of this, because of that thing being there, um, than he'd ever seen before. He said he, he really felt like there was momentum that built because of it. I'm not, I'm not saying it's in any way a good thing right. that that was there, but I mean, to me, it's just a, it's, it's not, so, it's a, it's a very scary sign of the times that we are in. Um, and the advanced end stage um, status of our civilizational, social, spiritual decline in this country that really started in the 60s pretty, pretty, uh, act pretty fast. And it's just been accelerating since then. I, you know, so I just I, I can't really say that, I, that this kind of thing surprises me as much as it dis disgusts me, disturbs me uh, and saddens me. When you cross a barrier or a boundary that has yet to be crossed or hasn't been crossed many times, generally uh the, the people who like what they had before the status quo which was more christian will get upset about it but then it yeah. gets more normalized right and that's kind of the danger here it's like a, yeah, yeah i'm sure that when in iowa a red state when this boundary is crossed people are up in arms a little like this can't be happening here but yeah then when it's left up and then if it happens next year then are you going to get the same crowd Do people get used to it yeah and um and, and that's that's the danger of these things uh, to some extent. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Amazing. So so was uh, John Dunwell, was he on this particular program you were watching or it was another state legislature? You know, I wasn't I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you the guy's name, but oh, okay. he um, I think he had a bow tie on. He was he was, you know, he was a very intelligent kind of guy looking maybe 60s uh, type of thing. Yeah. But yeah. You know, I, I mean, look, if, I think if any, hopefully if any of us in this chat, in this event were in a position, you know, to have some say in the matter, we would oppose it with everything we had. I mean, I certainly would. I, I would not. I, I think we're in a different, I mean, I'm not, I don't understand, you know, politics and history the way you do, but I think I understand enough of it to, to be able to say that, you know, I believe we're in a different ball game now. I, I know that you say this on your podcast a lot that we're, you know, we're in a different situation than we were. It's like, this is not peacetime anymore. This is not, you know, we can all get along. Democrats and Republicans can generally work together because they all are on the same team. Ultimately, that really isn't the case anymore. And, yeah. you know, and, and Christians are just not going to be tolerated anymore by the elites, even if our constitution protects us. I mean, that really only protects us once you get to the Supreme Court. And very few people get there. I mean, so, you know, the left can get away with a lot. They can make a do a lot of damage. But I see your yeah. point about about like, you know, they push in the envelope with something like this. Right. They, you know, the Satan clubs in um, in schools, you know, this is just yep. like pushing the envelope further and further and further until there is no there is no restraint. And that's a scary thing. Yeah. So, yes, we would. I think we should all we're all called. At least I feel. And, you know, not that I have any 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 involvement with something like this locally right now, but I think we're all called to, um, you know, aggressively stand against this kind of thing because it's just an absolute abomination and shouldn't be tolerated in any civilized society, not even a pagan one. Yeah. I mean, the question is, are any standards permissible anywhere at this point? Like, can right. you ever impose a standard or is that just a violation of your Christian um, commitment to the spiritual kingdom of God and your, and the constitution and neutrality 
in the public square. Because uh, what they're doing now is they are taking advantage of all the things that we've tried to put in place to protect religion, to protect Christianity primarily, by saying that we, you know, like the Equal um, Access Act in the 80s to make sure that uh, on a uh, like a high school campus or even in a college campus um, that religious groups cannot be discriminated against. They have equal access uh, no matter what religion they are. But of course, the people who passed that were primarily thinking about Christianity. And now you have these groups that want to then use that against the very people who were trying to put it up as a shield. And mm. so, um, so, so I think the discussion, one of the discussions that has to happen is whether or not the neutrality is a good idea of just saying that anyone, no matter what you believe and who you are, has uh, uh, equal access to um, public spaces in this case and displaying their message. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think if it was, and, and I, you know, if your kids are in the car, probably not this late, <laughs> maybe turn mm -hmm. on, but, but if it was a big phallic symbol, right, would, would that change it? Would that be different? You know, why not? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's any reason that you would have to prohibit that if you're not willing to prohibit a, a statue to Satan. So it's just um, mm -hmm. like whatever argument they bring up to try to say, well, that's not acceptable. You could bring up all their counter arguments against uh, Christians who are concerned about this and it would be the same ones. So mm -hmm. um Anyway, uh -huh. yeah, no, it's good. A good, good point, and uh, good to hear from you, Jeff. Um, was there anything else that you you had in mind, or? Well, no, I, I mean, I think um, you what you've made you've, you've made the point uh, a bunch of times. I'm sorry, I don't have the video on, but I I just couldn't only get you on my phone, and my phone's not. I'm in a not in a good position place right now, but otherwise no I would have the video on. But um, you've made the point. Uh, which I think is a very important one about um, public uh, involvement in uh, governmental type things on the local level. And I really agree with that. I mean, I think that's the only sort of the only leverage that most of us are going to have in these days. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways you could do that. Um, and I just would love to hear more about more, maybe more encouragement or more even practical tips. Maybe, maybe if you haven't already done it, I mean, I missed it. You could bring um, somebody on who who's doing this kind of thing, or you know, mobilizing people to do these things, do do stuff at the local level, yeah, um, effectively to have impact, you know, uh, for for you know what is what is good and what is yeah, acceptable there are, and beneficial. Um, there are some places there is actually uh, there in Huntington Beach, California, if you can believe it, um, mm -hmm. there's <laughs> some Christians who got elected to the town council and they're doing all kinds of things to uh, really shake that. things up. And yeah, and I actually did uh, reach out to one of them. I just haven't heard back, but I'm mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do want to cover uh, those stories. I think uh, a lot of what's happening, though, and, and th there are places like that, but a lot of what's happening is more of a defensive action. It's mm -hmm. not as uh, you have, um, I forget which state it is. I want to say Missouri, but I could be wrong. Um, there's a 10 commandments display that's tied up in court right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so th these are defensive measures that Christians are mobilized toward. Um, but we do need more aggressive, I, I think measures. I, I think there needs to be um, groups who are willing to go to these capitals and uh, public spaces and say, you know, we, we want our display. We want, uh, our message because it's the true message and not to shy away from that kind of thing. 
Um, but yeah, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, what I think um, they could do in Iowa here in a moment. Uh, but yeah, no, good, good thought and um, good reminder to me to find those good positive stories that uh, I know are out there. And if, if uh, mm -hmm. anyone out there in the chat has good stories of where people are pushing the needle in the right direction, uh, let me know. Um, I would be curious to talk to people who are doing that. So anyway, thank you, Jeff. Amen. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless. Thank you so much. You too. Uh, so um, back to our friend here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Representative John Dunwell and kind of what's going on in his mind. He says, it's really not that radical, <laughs> this statue of Satan, of, of, uh, uh, to Satan, I should say. Um, I don't, I, you know, that's a good question, actually. Is this actually depicting Satan? Um, or is this a statue to Satan? I'm not even certain of that. I think it's supposed to be a representation of Satan. But uh, he says, it's not that radical. I don't want the government dictating, approving, or regulating religious expression. I would rather have an evil blasphemous display or no display at all than have the state dictate what they think is appropriate. I write this as a Bible-believing, Jesus is the only way pastor and elected leader who respects the Constitution. I am shocked so many want to give up their freedom so they uh, don't have to see a display they disagree with. Again, apply that to pornography if you want. I mean, it's the same logic would you be used to justify it. The same exact logic. There's just no standard. This is a blank check. Um, he says, uh, so, someone, uh, well, so, someone challenged him and he called and, and representative John Denwell said he was an apologist for Christ's kingdom, Christ's ways and the constitution. So that, and he sees that as his defense of this neutrality, this neutral public square where Satan displays can be put up. Um, that is, uh, because he's an apologist for Christ's kingdom. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Representative John Dunwell, again, my disappointment abounds as an American and as a follower of Christ. I will not back down. And you've got four exclamation points. As a follower of Christ, I will advocate for the building of Christ's kingdom through following his example of loving others, washing the feet of others, considering the interests of others as my own, denying myself and taking up my cross daily, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a state representative, I will continue to advocate for freedom. I don't want the state determining what is an appropriate religious expression. Now, I want you to look at something very carefully here. In the first um, uh, six or five different activities here, these are all religious things, loving others, washing the feet of others, considering the interests, right? Um, personal things, right? That Jesus wanted us uh, to do. And he says, as a state representatives, I will continue to advocate for freedom. So it's, there's a separation going on here between his role as a state representative and his role as a Christian. Uh, as a state representative, I guess he could be any religion, right? He could be an atheist. And as long as he advocates for freedom, whatever that is, all caps with exclamation points, freedom, uh, that is, that, that's all it is. Um, and and w what are the limits of that freedom? We don't know. That, that's part of the problem here. We, we just don't even know. Um, so let's see, last slide here. Oh, I just wanted to show this. Okay, so lest you think R Representative John Dunwell is kind of out, out there, like he's just kind of nutty or something, he's... Uh, th this is just a picture of him ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. There was another one of him uh, at a Christmas ceremony. I think he's um, Christian Missionary Alliance, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what CMNA is, the denomination that he's a, he's a pastor in or was a pastor in. But uh, this is the, the logic that we are contending with. Um, and, and this is, I think, I mean, this is his objection to, quote unquote, Christian nationalism as well, that the state 
is supposed to be promoting the general interests of everyone, neutrally speaking, across the board, equally, uh, and there can be no um, there can be no fa favoring one religion over another. You can't favor Christianity. You have to make sure that everyone, including the Satanists in this case, are given uh, their equal status. And this is something that, uh, if you go back in history, the founders would have been. You know, I mean, a lot of people want to go back to the founders and find out what did they think. This would have been. This is a hard thing to figure out what they think. Now, I think we know what they think, but if you're finding examples, you're just not going to see many because this wasn't anything people. No one thought about this. <laughs> no one perceived that this time would come in America when anyone would want to do that. Uh, it was just. Um, I mean, you had nine of the 13 colonies were had official state religions. I, I was actually just reading the other day, 16, this is really early, 1609, um, Jamestown and the laws that govern Jamestown. And uh, they prohibited Catholicism, if you can believe it. They prohibited atheism. They prohibited blasphemy. There were laws against all these things. And pretty much every colony uh, initially in the United States was similar to that. They had um, laws that prohibited, at, at the very least, blasphemy or uh, atheism or um, anti-religious, uh, anti-Christian things. And we've now come to a point over gradual changes over years to where Christians don't even think that they can oppose publicly a Satan, Satanist display with the power of the law. And if you pursue that power, then you're a Christian nationalist and that's bad and you're against Christ's kingdom and somehow, uh, you know, you're not not practicing true theology there. So it, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the legal end of this real quick. And I wanted to present to you just briefly, I thought this was such a great like crash course article here. So, and, and I thought about putting it in my own words. I thought I couldn't, can't do really um, any better than this particular article. This is an article. Now it's not directly about the case. It is actually um, was written a few days ago. It's not about the case that uh, we're talking about, but it, it, it does relate to it. Um, it's from the Constitution Center, and it's, uh, the title is, Did a Supreme Court Decision Change the Rules for Holiday Displays by Scott Bomboy? Uh, it says, each December there are several disputes about the use of religious displays and holiday uh, displays in public locations. But did last year's Supreme Court ruling about a high school football coach change the ground rules for nativity scenes and other displays? In Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, a coach, Joseph Kennedy, sued after his contract was not renewed after Kennedy conducted voluntary prayers on a public football field after games. The court's decision in June 2022 all but abandoned a First Amendment test established by the late Justice Sandra Day O'Connor in the 1980s. The First Amendment's Establishment Clause states that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. In Lynch v. Donnelly, 1984, the court addressed a basic question. Did the First Amendment prohibit Pawtucket, Rhode Island from including a nativity scene in its annual Christmas display? If it also included other secular symbols such as a plastic reindeer, a Santa Claus house, and a Christmas tree. Chief Justice Warren Burger's majority opinion allowed the, the uh, I think it's pronounced creche or creche, uh, which is a nativity scene, essentially, uh, allowed the creche to stay in the exhibit as the presence of secular symbols brought in the purpose of the display. But it was Justice O'Connor's introduction of a First Amendment's endorsement test in Lynch that had the longer constitutional legacy. So, so here's th this is the important part here. Justice O'Connor's endorsement test. 
In Lemon v. Kurtzman, 1971, the court had established a three-part test to analyze Establishment Clause challenges. In what became known as the Lemon Test, the court found that the government can only assist religion if the primary purpose of such assistance was secular. The assistance did not pro promote nor inhibit religion, and there was no excessive entanglement between church and state. Okay, so there's three things here, the three-tiered test here. Um, the first thing is that uh, the purpose must be secular, right? The assistance does not promote the religion, and there's no excessive entanglement between the church and state, right? A little bit loose on that third one, but that's the test that has been applied since the 70s. Now, in the County of Allegheny versus American Civil, 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 I can't that talk, sorry, Civil Liberties Union, 1989, um, there was an attempt to add clarity to the lemon test. So let me read for you this. This is kind of the updated, what I just read for you, the lemon test. This is how it's been applied since the late 80s. Okay, the first part asked if a government action endorsed uh, religion. I think that's a typo. It says region, but it's religion, I think. The second part asked if the government's action made someone feel that they were outsiders. And the third part, at, uh, like Lemon, forbade the entanglement of state and religious activities. So, so, so here's the question you ask when you're saying, should we, uh, can we have a Christmas tree? Can we have a nativity scene in our Christmas display or our holiday display this, this winter at the local town on public grounds? Well, you have to ask these questions. Um, is this an endorsement of religion? Uh, is this going to make someone feel like an outsider? If they're a Muslim and they see that manger scene, do they feel like an outsider? Like this is a Christian town and you're on the outside, right? So th these are just legal doctrines, legal precedents that were set that have been applied for a long time. Now, um, I actually, myself, uh, I've have personal experience with this just because I worked for a local municipality years ago, and I remember in the, it was a small town where I grew up. Uh, sounds like the beginning of a country song. <laughs> small town where I grew up. Uh, and we only had a Christmas tree and a nativity scene throughout the 90s. And then um, we got a menorah in, I think, the early 2000s. And then uh, we had a Ramadan symbol that was probably, I don't know, 2008, 2010, somewhere in there. And then, of course, we all kinds of other symbols started showing up. Uh, I think there was a Hindu symbol. Everyone wanted their own symbol uh, for the holiday display at the local town park. And so I worked for this local municipality doing grounds and maintenance work. It was one of my first jobs. And I was there when everything switched from the town employees would go and set these displays up to it had to be um, people from those religions who would go set those displays up. So uh, I could not put up the nativity scene because that would be a misuse of town finances and we could be sued. We'd open ourselves up to a lawsuit. And so it had to be, and, and I went and did it anyway as a member of my local church on my off time, right? It was still on a public place. So this was part of the attempt to wrestle through some of these issues that were really brand new. And for a town like the one I grew up in, which um, was primarily Catholic with some Protestant, and then, of course, as people moved up from New York City after 9-11, you, you had all these other groups come in. Uh, it was kind of overwhelming. It was just it, it was such a different uh, flavor than it had been before. And so I remember seeing this. I remember um, there was actually a gentleman at my church, a judge, who had uh, ruled on a similar case in a town near us and basically had 
implemented this doctrine. And he, he went to the Gibbs law firm to get, which is a Christian law firm to get advice. And they basically told him that, uh, in order to have, um, equal display, like a, a new, neutral public square, I keep saying neutral public square, but what I'm really trying to say is like equal access for all religions to public accommodations. Uh, so in, in order to sustain that, then you could not have town employees involved in using taxpayer funded money to erect these things. And so it, it's kind of, you can tell why this was not going to be a holding position, why this really made no sense. And it was a reaction to the challenges that we were facing, but it would not actually in the long run be able to uh, satisfy anyone. Um, because, you know, what kind of logic does it, how does it even make sense to say, well, you can't have any public uh, funding going to erecting these statues and displays that are religious, but they can still be on public land, right? It doesn't make sense. And one of the things I remember, I talked to this judge and uh, about it after the fact, and this is when I was considering going to law school. And I just said, well, you know, how come, you know, the First Amendment applies to the federal government? Why don't we just, you know, forget about the incorporation doctrine? <laughs> Let's just challenge incorporation and say the states and the local towns, they can do what they want. I mean, that's kind of that's the initial original intent. Uh, federal government can't come in and tell the states what to do. This, these cases shouldn't even go to the Supreme Court, which is always a fear. Right. And of course, that was so outside of his thinking. It wasn't like it, it didn't even compute. It wasn't even a factor because the precedent has been laid down for so long that incorporation is uh, the doctrine that we must abide by. And uh, the First Amendment applies to the states. It applies to the local municipalities. And as you introduce these new groups from other places into traditional Christian Protestant areas or Catholic areas, uh, you get these, these situations. Now, this has nothing it does have something to do with the satanic display, but this, uh, but this is obviously a far cry from what we're seeing in Iowa right now. Okay. What we're seeing in Iowa is just so blatant. Uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about a menorah. We're talking about an actual statue honoring the Satan himself. So let me just uh, continue with this article and then we'll finish up here. Um, and, and I'll give you, this is some encouragement for all of you. Uh, as uh, Jeff was asking earlier about encouragement. Um, since uh, then, since the 80s, right, when we talked about this test that uh, that has been kind of loosely applied in different places, O'Connor's endorsement test, the lemon test, um, came into play in situations where religious and state actions potentially conflicted. But several newer court decisions had greatly diminished the lemon and endorsement tests. In Town of Greece versus Galloway in 2014, Justice Anthony Kennedy stated that the Establishment Clause must be interpreted by reference to historical practices and understandings, referring to his own concurring opinion in the County of Allegheny decision. In 2019, a Supreme Court decision, American Legion versus American Humanist Association, addressed the same question about the presence of a large cross on a public property that was once privately owned. The court's majority did not use the lemon test and again looked at historical practices and understandings to settle the First Amendment question. So we're seeing a diminishment of this lemon test. In Woodring versus Jackson County, Indiana in 2021, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a nativity scene on public property that also included several objects was permitted because it fit with a long national tradition of using the nativity scene and broader holiday displays to depict the historical origins of Christmas, a traditional event long recognized as a national holiday. And then, of course, last June, the court's majority left little doubt where it stood on previous religion tests. Quote, 
This court long ago abandoned Lemon and its endorsement test offshoot, unquote, wrote Justice Neil Gorsuch in a 7-2 majority opinion in Kennedy v. Uh, Bremington School District. Quote, in place of Lemon and the endorsement test, this court has instructed that the Establishment Clause must be interpreted by reference to historical practices and understanding. Justice O'Connor's test from the 1980s was officially abandoned. And so this uh, does apply to nativity scenes, and this will come up in the uh, case right now that uh, looks like it's going to be uh, going before uh, the Supreme Court, possibly. It's in federal court over the Ten Commandments in Arkansas. I think I said Missouri earlier was Arkansas. Um, so there is some positive movement here in a way. The court, the Supreme Court is at least saying that there's a historical precedent that must be accounted for here, which means that um, if you really peel back the onion layers, what they're saying is this has been a historically Christian country. Christian things have been done in the town square, whether it's church bells or nativity scenes or in God we trust or invocations. Uh, these are all Christian displays or oaths of office. I mean, it, it's amazing how many things we do that actually stem back to a Christian time, and we still do them out of habit. And the Supreme Court is saying we should put greater weight on that habit, on those traditions, because that's who we are. That's who we are as Americans, right? Um, than we do on this lemon test, which prioritizes whether or not someone is offended. And, and that's been the standard that we've been under, and that's the standard that's producing. It's, it, a lot of uh, people, including, I would argue, um, the uh, uh, congressmen from um, Iowa we've been talking about, uh, they have this lemon test kind of in their mind that they, they think that they have to fight on the hill. They have to die on the hill of a religious neutrality of some kind or else we're going to have some kind of totalitarianism. And they think that's what the Constitution says. It doesn't. It doesn't say that. And if, if you want to go back to the original intent, uh, the Constitution uh, was uh, it, it, the intent behind the First Amendment, historically speaking, was in reaction to a government that did have an official state religion that in many cases uh, gave way to corruption. Uh, in fact, we were, if you think about our neighboring Canada, uh, there was a lot of fears during the American Revolution period that uh, they were an official Catholic state and that would be somehow uh, imposed on the United States and that we didn't want that. And, um, and so there was a rejection um, on a uh, general level, a national level of having um, these uh, state churches. That's the establishment clause, really having an official state church. But it does not mean that the government of the United States did not endorse Christianity, broadly speaking. You, you could look at the Northwest Ordinance. You could look at um, the uh, American Bible Society and uh, the activity that uh, the American Bible Society had in um, in Congress. Uh, you could look at the invocations. I mean, they had a chaplain there. He was a Christian. Uh, I, I think for the first, I, I don't know when the first um, uh, Catholic chaplain would have been, but it was Protestant for a long time. And, and you had an understanding that these disputes would be handled on a local and a state level, not a national level. And now you have people uh, like this representative, um, uh, Representative John Dunwell, saying things, really importing a misunderstanding, a misapplication, a development that was erroneous of the Constitution and legal precedent now uh, on a federal level to the states now. And saying, well, if this is how it's interpreted 
by the federal court, then this is how this is our duty. And 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 it's I, I could somewhat respect if there's a misunderstanding and he just thinks, well, you know, uh, this is just the way it is, and I'm doing my best to fight it. Right? It, like we could maybe respect that that my my hands are bound. This is just the law, and I'm going to do everything to change things so that this is not the law anymore. But he's defending it. He's defending it as it's a good moral principle. There's a moral vision he has as a Christian. He thinks to defend satanic displays. Uh, that's the truly shocking thing to me. And that's the mindset though, that we are, I think, uncovering. And I think since 2020, this has been more so um, uh, somewhat exposed since we've had a lot of the sexual anarchy stuff and people have had to react to that. We find out where a lot of these quote unquote conservative commentators really are when the rubber meets the road. Um, do they think that because you know government might favor Christianity that it is therefore an establishment of religion and a violation of the First Amendment? And I mean, how far are we going to take that? Uh, I'm reading a book right now on the religious right. I will be sharing with you more uh, later about this particular book, but it, it's a popular book. And the premise of the author is basically that Christians who are pro-life are trying to enact a theocracy. That's where this logic leads. Uh, any moral vision that comes from Christianity is now an establishment of a church. So with that said, I'm going to go to, um, we have Sean Graham. Sean was in the last chat. Sean, man, he, you just like coming on the show, don't you? <laughs> it's hard. To, it's hard to stay away from you, buddy. How you doing? Hey man, I'm doing great. I I'm really intrigued by this conversation with you about this because I think, I think it's time that Christians really own up to this subject. We've got to take we have to take this subject and we have to be able to not only comprehend where we are as a nation, but be able to teach that to, to the next generation. I mean, we've right. got to. Um, in Memphis this week, we had, I mean, just today, we've, we've seen the announcement of the same thing happening at Chimney Rock Elementary, a school right here that is um, in the shadow of one of the biggest mega churches in, in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, we've got, I mean, there are five churches within walking distance of, of this school and they've opened up a Satan club. They're having their after school Satan program. And so we've got to have a ready answer. You know, that's a biblical decree. We've got to have a, an answer for what we're doing. And I think at this point in time, we also have to have a generation who understands that if the constitution is yielding this fruit that produces Satan clubs and right, uh, it, yeah. it might be time to talk about the vine not being worthy of the fruit, right? We, yeah. It's time for this conversation, and we need men who understand these concepts to take this forward. Uh, John, I mean, I need we need people like you who could point out the history of where these concepts well, came from. We really need people who are, um, in position. I mean, I, I have my role, we all play our different roles, uh, but people who are, uh, as you said, the Satan club in the school. Um, we need students and parents who are in that school and teachers to raise a stink about it and to say, this is wrong, full stop, period. Right. It's evil. Uh, we're not to be evil. You know, if someone oh, my constitution, argue, John, 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 my right. freedom of his freedom of speech might be God. right. But if, if we're allowing evil, who's to say that freedom of speech is even something we should respect? Why That's should right. I respect your freedom of speech? You, right. you, you want someone who uh, supports, let's see, lying, um, stealing, uh, breaking God's laws when it con concerning marriage, um, all of these, you want to violate moral boundaries, but then of course you want to keep this one moral boundary 
that says that moral boundaries should be violated. It makes no sense. So, so be consistent. And, uh, that in, in order to be consistent, you have to abandon all moral claims and stop making a claim that prohibits me from putting an end to your evil, right? So, so that's the thing that people have to realize is both sides are actually promoting a moral vision. And one side wants evil and one side wants good. And the lines have become so much more clear. Uh, and cases like this make it abundantly clear. And, and the people who um, want to, the liberals, the post-World War II mindset that wants to say, you know, this is somehow, uh, you know, the blessing of liberty, like David French said about Drag Queen right. Story Hour, that we should just uh, allow all these things. Um, you are giving the enemy everything they need to defeat you, to defeat everything you believe in. Don't, don't think that you are somehow pious and uh, you're going to do a spiritual thing to defeat this whole thing if you're not even willing to use, I mean, this is a, we're talking about a state rep here, you know, use your bully pulpit here, use your, instead he's doing all these interviews and talking about how he's, you know, I'm personally, I don't like this, but uh, this is just part of being an American, allowing Satan displays, right. Um, Everyone would have been shocked uh, in the founding generation. And really, I would say until probably about 19, you know, 70, 1980s, they would have been shocked at such a display. I mean, some people are still shocked in, in Iowa about this, but um, I know you guys are covering this on your show. I think I, you, I mean, you mentioned that last night. Yeah, we definitely have, you know, the Iowa thing opened up a can of worms. And now that we've got, you know, an actual in the Bible belt, Satan after school program now to talk about, we've got a lot of politicians and churches that are, um, they're up in arms, rightfully so, but we've got to have the right, well, we've got to have we, we got to have men that understand what day this is. This yeah. is not 1975. This is not 1985. This is 2003. And in 2003, we're going to have to decide. Yes, yes, there are some things that are evil. 2023, right? Yeah. yeah sorry, sorry. 2023. Yes. For a minute, I was like, uh, I was like, did I? <laughs> Did I invent a time machine? Did it work? No, I wish no. so many times. I wish we could. But, you know, hey, I'm happy. we got kids and all this kind of stuff now. I'm happy with those. But yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. We've got people need to know the day. They need to know the time to have the right answer, because at no time like before, if you're going to cut off the genitals of children, if you're going to not know what a woman is and you're going to make her get pummeled by men in competitive sports, where can you where can you draw a line on on after school programs? You don't you don't have a standard, and and I don't care if you don't like it. It might be time to tear down these schools and say, look, any institution that you're taking that is is becoming an idol for Satan, we're going to have to remove that somehow, or come up with a different value system and stand on it. Which is what I hope we do. I hope people see the you know the ridiculousness of saying let's go burn down the schools because. That's not what anybody really wants. We want there to be a good public option for people to have education. It's just not there right now. We want there to be a moral standard in our communities. Is, is this getting it? I mean, you're going to have KKK displays next in the front yard of the firehouse rather than, you know, we had a cross. And the funny thing is they would t- they'd be taken down based on the fact that the, it's a cross. Right. <laughs> That's why it would be taken down probably. But uh no, well, you're, you're spot on. I mean, whose taxpayer money, dollars are paying for these schools and paying for the uh, tax, you know, taxpayer funded money going to the Iowa state uh, legislature? Does this reflect uh, what the people 
think that they're paying for? Is this the function of government? And, and of course, no, it's not. Uh, and, and they should be mad about it. They should be righteously indignant. There should be laws passed to clarify some of these things. I even think I, I would be calling for church councils to get together and talk about these matters, except for the fact that I'm afraid of who would show up <laughs> right now. <laughs> so has anybody no. seen this this particular pastor's church leadership, elder body? Or no, I, I haven't. Nobody's haven't spoken out at him, have yeah. they? No, no one has told him. To, that he's off the rails have they i haven't I seen that call no yet. clue yeah i mean i looked him up on youtube real quick and, and there was like something from 14 years ago where he's advertising some adoption agency or something but there's no uh i didn't see sermons from him or anything i don't know in what capacity he's a pastor or if he's even still a pastor um i, I would assume that he's got responsibilities because it, it says business owner too so i'm thinking if you're a business owner a pastor and a state rep that's kind of a full plate so i, I don't know what he's doing and what he's not but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about the Christian Missionary Alliance, which I think is the group he's yeah, I part think of. So. Yeah, I think that's know, you know what they can do. Um, I attended an Alliance church for a few weeks once during the shutdown, and uh, I, I just don't know though what they can do to um, uh, discipline or confront something like this. So, hey, if you're in the CMA and you know then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe talk, talk to this guy. <laughs> and yeah, I'd um, love to hear that too. I'd love to hear people talk yeah. about, you know, is this a outlier in that denomination? Is this an outlier in that community? Um, yeah, or is this, is there just no standard in the church? Uh, that, that scares me, John. I mean, I, I well, want the, there to the, be the, standards. I, I mean, I, I don't, so I'll just try to be delicate as I say this, but some of the people that we've talked about within the last year who have opposed Christian nationalism very vehemently, um, I think they would have to fall into a trap like this, too, based on their logic. Right. So this isn't yeah. unique to uh, this particular representative. This could be pa other pastors that we respect in, in many other matters. But there's just um, incongruence on this. They, they just they're so locked into this commitment to a, a religious neutrality and equal access to every religion and, and you know, every uh, creed, every race, every gender, every, uh, uh, well, most people would say two genders uh, who are in that camp, but um, every, every, per, whatever factor you have or external feature you have, you, you deserve an equal shot, right? That's kind of the America that they're, I think uh, they have a commitment to. And unfortunately, there's a greater commitment to that, at least in the political realm, than there is to Christian ethics, which would surely uh, prohibit something like this. Um, it's one thing if you don't have the power to do anything about it and you need to get the power to do something about it. But you have people. I mean, he admitted we could change the rules. Right. And there's no like, all right, let's form a plan, guys. How do we change the rules so this doesn't happen again? There's nothing like that. It's yeah. just def it, it, that's the amazing thing to me. That's it. He it's plants really his, he plants that flag so. so quickly, and he's just repeating it over and over again. That that just really that bothers me. Is just it, look if he's if he were ignorant of the law, I would be more forgiving of that. But that he's obviously just obstinate and feels like he's right, and this is where I'm going to yeah. plant my flag. I, that scares yeah. me a little. It'd bit. be a great test case too. Let's bring this to the court. Yeah, <laughs> I just got it. off the phone with the guy, and we said, "Praise the Lord." If this is what it takes, you know, for Satan to, you know, finally feel like he can raise his flag and this is what gets Christian churches off their butt and engaged in the fight. Praise the Lord in the fight now, because this is what yeah. we need. We need people to know they, they got to fight. 
Well, good word, Sean. You said it well. Um, and we, whatever you want to plug, where, where can people find? I mean, I was just on your show. So where can people yeah, find it? So we've got you talking about this very subject coming up Friday on WCRV in Memphis. Uh, you can listen uh, online at botradio.com. You can listen to the Memphis channel. We're there at three o'clock every Friday afternoon. And we'll All be right. talking about this very subject about the Iowa test case. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and speaking about it and talking about how it's affecting other areas of, you know, just the whole Christian conversation right now. So uh, join us. You can visit us online at tnchristian.com anytime, and you can see all the past episodes as well. So always good to talk to you, John, and uh, we will keep you guys informed of what's going on here locally with the churches and how, if there's going to be any protests or things like that. We'll let you guys know so y'all can speak out about it too. All right. Well, God bless, Sean. Thank you. Hey, have a good one. Um, so yeah, we're going to land the plane. We've been going almost an hour and 10 minutes, but uh, I just want to say, pray about this stuff, everyone really pray about it. Um, I'm praying for Iowa right now. And just that the people there would, uh, speak out against this. Um, this is more symbolic than anything else. It's what comes with this. It's what's normalized because of things like this. It's what it says about the people, uh, that allow this kind of thing to continue. Um, we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our states and all our localities. And if Lord might be moving in your own mind to run for public office or seek a position of influence, then uh, don't shut that out. Yeah, there might be sacrifice, but there's also reward. The Lord rewards those who obey him. So with that, God bless. More coming later in the week. Bye now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.